What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to The Cutting Room. I'm your host, Gordon Burkell. This will be the final installment of my interview with Bobby Osteen. In this part of the interview, I'll be discussing with Bobby her book, The Invisible Cut, and we'll also get into editing as a subculture. And before we get started, I'd like to just let you know we're finally back on iTunes. And I'd like to thank Dave for keeping me posted on things and informing me about it. I'd also like to thank the iTunes engineers for working with me to get this back up online. But now on with the interview. I also want to talk to you because the invisible cut for me stood out as a very different style of film editing book. I was wondering how you approached writing it and how did you make sure that it stood out in the crowded marketplace of film editing books? Well, first of all, nobody had ever used frame graphs Mm -hmm. before. People had used frame graphs, but arbitrarily without context. This was the first time that I actually did two things. I took the screenplay and I had that have that in my book, and then I would show um, where the where those frame grabs and cuts were positioned within the screenplay, and then um, showed showed the cuts, and then really analyzed the process. And I think that was a significant thing. Originally, what happened is my publisher Michael Weesey, who published Cut to the Chase, mm-hmm. commissioned me to write, as he said. Michael Weesey said, the definitive book about editing. So Mm -hmm. what happened is originally I started a very different book, and that's sort of compressed now into the very very early parts of the book as it is now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I just had this idea about taking classic scenes, each representing a different genre. So I would have a, a chase scene, a sex scene, a comedy scene, and... You know, I just, I, that was based on Carol Rice's idea. Mm-hmm. I think, by the way, that is the best book about film editing that existed before mine came out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was written in the 50s. It, it really is a great book. He had frame grabs too, but he didn't use them to show the actual cuts. Um, but he, he separated movies into different genres. And, and then I just, um, I was just thinking about, movies that I think people should think about. You know, A Hard Day's Night was a really revolutionary movie. I mean, it it was pre-MTV. Directors always, and editors always talk about how MTV influenced editing. And that was really the original extended, you know, mm-hmm. MTV movie. So, you know, I just, I just tried to think about which movies would, uh, maybe a young film editor should, study as a, as a starting point, what we just talked about, about studying mm-hmm. classics. I think it's very important to look at Hitchcock, for example, and what an interesting way he worked. And just, just, just to try, to, I just tried to find a range of different kinds of movies, but also kinds of editors and tried to get as much information as I can. Now, what, what I want to do in the future is use real live editors like Carol Littleton and Tim Squires to talk about their process. So research is interesting, but getting inside the mind of an actual editor is is also amazing. <laughs> so I just I was I really wanted to you know the cut to the chase was started off 
I don't even know why I decided at that point to write that story. I didn't know Sam would pass away. It would have nothing to do with that. I just thought, I know all these great stories, so I can trigger his memory bank and say, well, talk about this. And and what was also interesting is people would say to me later, how did you get Sam to talk? He never talked, you know. But editors will, you know, you can really bring out a lot of information if you ask the right questions. Mm-hmm. So I just I just was inspired to get into the process further with with more editors and in a more general way. I just felt very confident about explaining editing to a reader mm-hmm. and that I could do that. Now you also you did one thing that sort of puts the book in front of other books and that would be you actually dedicated a chapter to the relationship between the producer, editor, and director. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, was, I was wondering if you could, I guess, describe what you see as the role, as uh, or the role of that relationship between the producer, editor, and director. Well, I was really focused on the director and the editor. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. Actually, that's true. It is a producer because, yeah, um, it was the chapter was called the marriage, but mm-hmm. it really is a very it is very much like a marriage. An editor can be in a very tough position where he ha- is squeezed between the person that's signing his paycheck, for example, mm-hmm. and the director. And one of the things I say is that he has to or she has to be upfront mm-hmm. with everybody. You can't play both sides you really have to be loyal to your director and if a producer asks you to do something you can do it but you have to tell the director you're doing it you can't you be greedy or power hungry you Mm -hmm. have to you have to trust that that's the relationship that matters and you are really responsible as an editor for making the director's vision a reality and you have to have as I said before, em- great empathy for them. So in what I say in that chapter is basically that um, an editor, you know, there's certain, certain moments where the editor, the editor and director know that they've watched the film for the first time, just the two of them. Nobody else has seen it. You have to be very protective of your cut as much as you can, it, what you and the director have come up with together And remember that golden moment also when you first see the movie because you're going to get so sick of that movie and lose your objectivity, Mm -hmm. and it's very important to hold on to that and try as best you can to um, remember what you started out with, what you wanted, what he wanted or she wanted, and don't lose sight of that. Uh, Certainly, there's a lot of pitfalls. There's a lot of studios and producers and audiences that will come in and make changes for the better but you're still I would say the director and the editor probably care about the movie and know the film better than anyone and Mm -hmm. and they have to trust their judgment and try to be strong together and the as I said before the editor has to you know if the director wants to try it upside down and backwards and they think it's completely ridiculous try it don't ever say no (laughs) because you know what it actually may work and even if it doesn't you can't be possessive about your cut you have to be flexible you have to be open-minded you have to not let your ego get in the way and 
try to get credit for everything. And you have to really, I mean, the, the beauty of working for a long time with a director is as, as a married couple, you know, I, I think actually Clint Eastwood's editor sort mm-hmm. of walks and talks like Clint Eastwood. <laughs> he really, yeah. you know, it's like they say when you're married for a long time, you start to walk and talk alike. Well, but the, but the best part is there's, there's an implicit um, sort of shorthand and of communication like you know the editor can director can shift in his chair mm-hmm. during dailies and the editor knows that he's what he's thinking or he or she's thinking so you have this communication and trust over a period of time that's a beautiful thing you know people who are lucky enough to be with a director for a very long time and you have to just know that you know your job is to serve the director mm-hmm. and that's the most important thing now i have two more questions and the first one in the blog talk radio you um you talked to you mentioned that you had studied anthropology and i was wondering if you had to analyze the film editing community or uh, film editing as a subculture uh, what would you say about film editors that's a really good question uh, first of all, I, I was telling Carol Littleton that I was an answer major. She says, well, you know, you're like kind of like an archaeologist, the way you're mm-hmm. like digging into all this stuff. She says, you come up with stuff that I, I never thought about, you know, I just do it. But um, I think that a movie, a movie community, like a, the group of people that make a movie is very much a culture. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think you're really living and breathing the movie and it even becomes problematic for people who have families because sometimes, you know, because you're obsessed and you're, you're kind of, you know, living, sleeping, breathing the film and it becomes mm-hmm. very much your life. Um, I think editors, uh, I would just, I, I say more like a, maybe I'm coming from a standpoint more of a, like a psych, psychologist when mm-hmm. I say this, but I think editors, it's a difficult, it's a great job and it's a difficult job because, mm-hmm. because of the nature of their job and because it's so invisible, I think that a lot of editors feel unappreciated and you can't let that happen. You know, you can't, um, it, as Carol Littleton said, People who need to know, know. And if you can trust that, that your work will end up speaking for itself, that's a very good thing. Mm-hmm. But I think that they're alone in a room a lot. It's a very isolating experience. And, you know, it can be, it can be a challenge to believe in yourself. It's very scary, I think, when you first start cutting, like, mm-hmm. you know, how, how is this going to come together? And I think that the isolation does make difficult at first, but then the, the, the editors that really have the right attitude say the co- collaboration can be a beautiful thing, you know, that you, when you work with an et- a director and they're so passionate about their work and, but I think I think that it's it's an interesting culture. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that it's they're the unsung heroes. Mm-hmm. So I just think I think that's you know it's it's what does that feel like to have a profession where nobody nobody really understands what you do? Mm-hmm. It's a little strange, you know. Yeah. 
I remember that Tim Tim Squires was saying that his he comes from a family of scientists, mm-hmm. and he was going to be a scientist, and then, you know, he he decided to become a film editor, and his father said, "Can you make a living at that?" You know. <laughs> And he had no idea what he did. And then one one day he was working at home. He was cutting Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, mm-hmm. and he he watched his process. And he, oh, that's what you do. <laughs> but you know, so so I think that part of it is a challenge. But it's also it's you know, one of the things I noticed is editors love what they do. Mm-hmm. I mean, most editors just. My father was that way. Sam was that way. But I see that all the time. Their only complaint is maybe they don't work enough, but editors are really puzzle solvers, and mm-hmm. they have to have this this kind of head where they're, you know, they're lying in bed at night and they're figuring out how to make it work. And I think the the mental challenge of cutting is just really fun mm-hmm. for the people that are good at it. You know, so the isolation is tricky, but you know, the um, the, the intellectual, artistic challenge of creating something, shaping this raw footage into something that's a movie is mm-hmm. kind of magical, you know? Yeah. Now, my, my final question for you is, uh, what is your favorite guilty pleasure film? Oh, uh, <laughs> hmm. it's Parent Trap. Oh, yeah? What is yes. it about that, that film that, <laughs> that makes it a, a guilty pleasure for you? Um, I'm talking about the original Parent yeah. Trap, by the way, yeah. with Haley Mills. I was, um, that was my only, I wrote my only fan letter to um, Haley Mills. I was obsessed with Haley Mills when I was a little girl. Oh, <clears throat> and she was a very, she was a Disney star, but she was very elegant. John Mills was her father. Mm-hmm. She was British, and she was blonde and <laughs> and smart. <laughs> Um, and I think, I think the story is very compelling somehow for a child because it's, it's a children actually having complete control over the grown up world mm-hmm. and pulling it off. And there's just something, something about that movie just, I just identify, you know, I mean, movies are all about identification with a character, you know, why, why do you watch a certain movie at a certain point in your life? Mm-hmm. And it just, it's affects you in a certain way it's not just because the movie is good or bad or or good bad or anything it's it just it taps into something you know Mm -hmm. and i think i just love that these children conspired and i was always a romantic and they conspired to get their parents back together i mean i was not my parents had a happy marriage i was Mm -hmm. not a product of divorce but I just think there was something about that. I can watch it now, and I'm just, it makes me so happy. <laughs> so. Well, I want to thank you very much for letting me interview you. Oh, it was a pleasure. Well, that was the final installment of my interview with Bobby. I'd like to thank Bobby Osteen. I'd also like to thank Carol Eisner for setting up the interview, as well as my producer, Lauren Woodcock. I'm Gordon Burkell. Thanks for listening. <laughs>